0: Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for The Art of the CEO. The show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymous Bosch of business, <laughs> and whether you are a public relations specialist who brings business players into light, like Debbie, or a CPA who keeps the tax monsters at bay, like Steve, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your ventures. Now, every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, the art of the CEO streams magically through the misunderstood realms of cyberspace. Where you may listen and download this and all episodes by, list, by visiting blogtalkradio.com/slash/the art of the CEO. That's blogtalkradio.com/slash/the art of the CEO. So we invite you to listen and explore for your benefit. Now today's episode uh, is entitled "Human Rights Versus Profit: Shareholder Divestment Levering Corporate Ethics." Yes, today, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at one way in which shareholders are addressing their own responsibility as company owners and urging corporate entities toward more ethical behavior. And by great good fortune, we have with us today one of the foremost leaders in this better business movement, the co-founder of the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship and former moderator of the Presbyterian General Assembly, Mr. Rick Ufford chase But before we launch into giving the business community a stronger conscience, let's take a moment out there to supply you all with a few utensils for today's Feast of Wisdom. So first, as I always do, allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the titles and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. Now that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, So let me ask, will this be the day that you turn to folks around you and perform one positive act of friendship? Or will you continue to view the world as a network of competitors? The choice is truly yours. Secondly, it is time to dip into a little laughter. So let's take a scriptural recitation from the 101 Best Business Quips book. Let me pull it out. Okay. okay. Oh, here here we are. This is number 94. Our firm's not worried about cybersecurity. The last hacker who broke into our books left a sympathy card as an afterthought. I love that. Uh, anyways, an afterthought, go to the yes, do go to your security seminars, get the expert advice and install your reasonable precautions. But just remember that the first concern For you, as an individual of business, should really lie with the thrill of what you're creating and distributing, not fearfully wringing your hands over what might be skulking out there in cyberspace. And the third utensil, perhaps we should call today's utensil, the pork dissector. Right now, we're going to give you the answers to last week's business quotation. And today, before we leave the air, we'll broadcast another quotation and we invite you to email us the name of the author as you believe him or her to be. We just simply email us the name of the author and mail that to info at bartsbooks dot com that's i n f o at b a r t s dot com, And if you're correct, we will send you a marvelous gift freshly ripped from the Dungeons of Barts Books bookstore. So, the author of last week's quote, that is the individual who said, Our major obligation is not to mistake slogans for solutions. Was well, said by none other than the legendary newscaster, Mr. Edward R. Murrow. I really like that one. But now let us dig into today's Feast of Wisdom and discover how powerful players like Mr. Rick Uffer Chase are nudging business toward a more ethical path. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm well, thank you. It's good to be with you. Oh, well, we're really glad to have you here to uh, open up this, this really new world that a lot of us are are aware of but not understanding. Now... You were, as I understand it, the former moderator of the Presbyterian Church's General Assembly. As a matter of fact, you were one of the rare few to ever serve two terms, and you're now co-director of the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship. For the uninformed laity among us, could you tell us what those positions are and how they enable you to act uh, as a spokesperson, if you will, for corporate responsibility?
1: Sure. So the Presbyterian Church USA is the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States. It's the one that most people stumble into when they see a Presbyterian church. And it is governed by a general assembly that meets every two years. And that the, that assembly is made up of representatives who come from, you know, what we call presbyteries. They're akin to congressional districts, if you will. Every district sends right. its representatives. And their first act at the assembly is to elect one of their own commissioners to be the the moderator of that assembly of some 800 people and to move the business forward oh. of that assembly
0: I see okay so that's and the first fellowship
1: yeah, the Peace yeah. Fellowship is unique in that it is not a part of the Presbyterian, peace, uh, Presbyterian denomination. It is an independent uh, 501c3 whose mission is to try and impact the denomination and move the denomination toward a stronger stance for peace and, and justice in the world. So we are unabashedly uh, partisan – in our attempt to push the church further and further in the direction of peacemaking projects in the world and our goal is not to live out the direction of the general assembly but rather to try and inform the general assembly by taking overtures to the assembly and moving the assembly
0: i i think that's wonderful and i really like your approach to that through information will come change and improvement Uh, now the the as I understand it Rick the, the Peace Fellowship is holding up to the global business community three major responsibilities. Could you tell us what these ethical guidelines are?
1: Well, I'm not sure I can narrow okay. them down to 3 at this point, but I can certainly tell you oh, that what we yeah,
0: what we're asking the
1: church to do is uh is as a shareholder in, you know, we the Presbyterian Church and its related entities is a major shareholder in Dozens, if not certainly, actually hundreds of companies uh, with its various holdings. And we have ethical policies that the church determines it will try and live out in the world. And we have a committee at the national level of the church called Mission Responsibility Through Investment, whose work is to make sure that our business investments match our ethical investments. So it's that committee's job to make sure that the businesses in which we are invested are, in fact, not doing things that are contrary to or in opposition to the ethical standards that the church sets. For instance, we don't have any holdings in uh, tobacco companies or alcohol companies that manufacture alcohol. That would be one example.
0: Right. Okay. Now um – What uh, I know that there's one of the the responsibilities that you are uh, that you handle is the environment, and another is human rights. Am I? I, I, I'm not trying. Could you give us just a, a couple of the guidelines so that so that we understand?
1: Well, sure. I mean, what we're what we're basically looking for is uh to be invested in corporations that have a basic respect for human rights and human dignity. That means we want to be invested in corporations that pay a living wage, that respect the environment wherever they operate around the world, and that operate in line with basic standards of kind of law and international law wherever they may operate around the world, and certainly companies that would do everything in their power to promote peace as opposed to uh, promoting violence or war. So another example would right. be that we do not have any holdings in companies that that spend a majority of their time, energy, or resource manufacturing weapons that would then be used oh. in violent
0: conflict. Oh, hear, hear. Boy, that's – it's good to hear. Now, uh, Rick, I – This may shock you, but uh, there seems to be an awful lot of immoral, unhurtful behavior occurring on our terrestrial orb here. And I'm interested in how how does the fellowship, how does your committee select specific issues? Do do you you go after the ones you think you can win, or or how do you choose them?
1: Well, by and large, what happens is uh, for the Peace Fellowship, which is, of course, an independent Mm -hmm. body, we find out about – Uh, things that concern us through our partner organizations other places in the world. Uh, For instance, the one that's on the minds of almost everyone who's paying any attention to this set of questions right now is the work on divesting from companies that are doing business in Israel and Palestine in a way that might support or encourage Israel's occupation of the Palestinian territories. And the way we became a part of that conversation was that the Church has partners in in, in that area who called on us to follow their lead and to ask the question about whether or not we should divest from companies that are gaining, you know, in any way or profiting from that occupation.
0: I see. So uh, I I really, in, in a way, I'm sad to bring this up as an example because it's a lot of people are going to instantly say, oh, this is something that's being done. Uh, as, as a political statement or religious, and that's that's not really true. I know you're following your guidelines, but for uh, the, the the Caterpillar Company, let's let's take this as an example. You have uh, what is the situation there that you feel? Just just give us a, a brief thumbnail of what is the the situation that you feel violates the ethics of, of good corporate behavior there.
1: Well, that's a great question, Bart. So Caterpillar became kind of the poster child for this campaign conversa- and the conversation in the Presbyterian Church, though we actually examined the holdings, our holdings in 11 different corporations uh, over the last 10 years, looking at ways that they might be supporting violence in the region or profiting from it. And Caterpillar was one of those 11. Out of those 11 that we looked at, Uh, Eight of them, we eventually determined, were within our ethical standards and guidelines, and so we backed out of those conversations. Three of them, at the end of the day, were were corporations that we decided to move ahead with. One was Caterpillar Corporation, another was Motorola Solutions, and a third was Hewlett Packard and in all three of those cases it was because those companies had significant contracts that were u- that were providing material support to Israel's occupation military occupation of Palestine so to just back up for a second to caterpillar which was by far and away the hardest part of our conversation. You know, we have, Presbyterian Church has certainly dozens, maybe hundreds of people who work for Caterpillar Corporation, and some of them are decision makers. So it was a very challenging conversation for us. And what what we maintained from the beginning was that not that Caterpillar is an evil corporation, but that one particular contract in which they prepare bulldozers to be sold through the U.S. military to the state of Israel Ah. to be armored— as armored vehicles and used by the Israeli Defense Forces um, in its activity in Palestine, that that particular contract was inappropriate, and we asked them to reconsider. And when they refused to reconsider that contract, we eventually made the determination that we needed to sell our stock in the company.
0: I see. Okay. Now, I I can tell that this sort of thing does not come lightly and does not come with uh, a little controversy, say the least. So I'm going to ask you, I, I'm just going to put this out and I'll, we'll get your response. Now, um, it seems to me that what you're doing, Mr. Chase, is... This company is designed to make money, and it's not designed to save your world. You, of your own free will, have invested in this company to make you money, and as long as we've got the machine running smoothly and making the share profits that you bought in for, why mess with things you don't understand? All your complaints are just putting sand in the money machine. Now, why don't you scoot and get out of here and let us do what we're designed to do? And your response, Mr. Chase?
1: Well, I mean, you're you're absolutely right. The conversation played out over a period of ten years, and it to uh, call it divestment is actually a misnomer because in our right. in our situation, we're actually looking to put off divestment until the last possible moment. So our first question mm-hmm. is, do we understand what your actions are, really are? Do you have anything that do you know? Inform, do you have information that you want to share with us that we may not fully understand? And if that information oh, does not help us to to feel better about the situation, and then our next conversation <laughs> is, would you be willing to change this particular aspect of your activity and do you understand what our concern is? And you know, at the end of the day, you're absolutely right, the share the you know, the the board of directors of that corporation may determine that they don't want to do it. In Caterpillar's situation, eventually we joined with other national church bodies and actually took a shareholder action to a national national meeting of Caterpillar. And there, too, you know, it may be that at the end of the day, they don't take the action that we are supportive of. And finally, our only recourse is to say, well, if there's no way for us to be ethically invested in your company, it's time to sell our stock. So uh, our, our belief is that most people do not get out of bed in the morning thinking to themselves, what can I do today to screw up the world? Most people are good folks, <laughs> and given the opportunity, we'll try and do the right thing. And, you know, right. if if, if all they determine they're interested in is trying to make money and the consequences be damned and the implications for uh, human rights or the environment or whatever be damned, then at the end of the day, we're going to have to say this isn't a company that we, as a church, want to be invested in.
0: Right. Well, I I really am glad that you brought that up because people are the, are the shareholders. In a publicly traded corporation – They are owners, and as such, you are responsible for what you do. And I'm going to call this a quill pen moment because Rick has just spoken a timeless truth, and that is that all your actions have consequences, my friends, and good and bad. And you have a lot more power toward directing those consequences than often you realize. So I'd like you to dip your pens in the inkwells and jot down that, yes, I do have more power to control the ethical behavior and my own actions uh, and outcomes than I realize. I just passed that on. Now, Rick, Christian churches uh, have invested uh, about $97.5 billion last year, and you correct me if I err on that point. That's and that's just a mere tip of the iceberg compared with the personal investments of, of the many faithful, and that's just the Christian Church as opposed to the Moslems. I mean, add on to the Moslems and synagogues. Are my question is, are corporations beginning to realize that you're not just not leading some sort of mere symbolic gesture here? There's some real physical teeth involved, right? Are, are they? Are they? Is that being seen?
1: oh absolutely it's being seen and you know companies will tell us right up until the moment when they actually take the action to to, to change their activity, that what we're asking is unreasonable or it can't be done. I'll give you an example. When I was serving as moderator of the General Assembly, I I was in that position for two years, and it was at a time when the Coalition of Immokalee Workers in Florida, which is a farm worker coalition that works picking tomatoes, uh, was asking for one penny per pound more in order to receive a just wage for their efforts. And the pressure point was that the Presbyterian Church was, had joined a coalition uh, calling for Taco Bell to pay one penny per pound more and calling for a boycott of Taco Bell until they did so. And I met with, with leadership who told me that it was absolutely impossible. The Church did not understand the business implications of what we were asking and that what we were asking was impossible. And three weeks after I had that meeting – Taco Bell announced that they had in fact changed their policy and they would be pay only working with subcontractors who agreed to pay their workers a penny a pound more. So at the moment it becomes huh. financially hurtful they'll they'll make the decision that they need to make. And that's you know it's their choice to do it or not to do it. It's also our choice both as shareholders and as consumers to decide where we're going to purchase our products or where we're going to invest our dollars it's a it's a give and take, and at the end of the day, in a capitalist system, what's supposed to happen is churches and other ethical bodies are are able to pressure companies into doing the right thing. It's an age old proposition
0: now oh i I think that's a marvelous story and it's a great success story and I want to get back to the uniting of of other people. Uh, of, of other institutions and organizations when we come back. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, um, we've come to the midpoint of today's feast, and it's time to take a brief survey. So, first, let me tell you that you're listening to the Art of the CEO radio show, streaming live, streaming live from blogtalkradio.com. And it's time for me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of, among many other things, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit bartsbooks.com to explore a, really a wide wealth of practical wisdom from various business masters. And today, Prometheus invites you to come and visit their bookstore, to uh and oh yes i want you to take a look at this little one little book that generates gales of laughter i'm referring to of course the 101 best business quips book the the quip you heard earlier today was just one of the gems lurking somewhere in the folds of that book so if you'd like to increase your drive a hundredfold you pick up a copy at bart's that's bartsbooks.com that's b-a-r-t-s b-o-o-k-s dot com and if you like we believe that the greatest wisdom comes wrapped in a little laughter why not visit bartsbooks.com site, subscribe to our free quips and you'll get some little bit of uh, joy winging your way every, every single week and uh, have a little fun in your life, heaven knows you deserve it so now, ladies and gentlemen, and those merry souls in the garden state who are reveling in the beauty of apple blossom time, oh, I'll be with it. Sorry. We, uh, Anyway, we are back to the Art of the CEO radio show. Spring sort of took me by the throat here. Uh, we're back to the Art of the CEO radio show and blog talk radio, and we have with us our guide to the power of corporate investment, Mr. Rick Upper chase Rick, I... Now you said that uh, I've heard you say that you are uniting with other churches and other groups to, um, to to make your point and to bring on a little further power. Could you tell us a little bit about what the uh, Peace Fellowship uh, is doing with other other groups?
1: Well, it's um, yes. So there are all kinds of organizations and parts of the various churches that are interested in these questions. So if you're talking about the the denominational level, where the Presbyterian Church USA, the Episcopal Church, the Baptist Church, the Methodists, the Lutherans, the Catholic Conference of Bishops, you know, all of those bodies, um, many of them work together cooperatively to add their voices to one another as they carry out this work of social responsibility and engagement. So one thing to know is that the Presbyterians typically do not just say, this is what we think, and go off and talk with Caterpillar about it. They go to all of those other denominations, and together they approach Caterpillar Corporation to say, we share this concern. Is this something that you are capable of responding to at this point? So that's one set of partners that we work with on a regular basis. There's also grassroots movement building, right, and the divestment in around the companies doing business in Israel and Palestine is a classic example of that, where oh. there are... Organizations like the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship that are out there and actively organizing within their own communities all the time to try and push their mm. communities to take these actions. So they're not—they're not, they're not right. part of their denomination. They're pushing their denomination. And I'll give you another—I'll give you a great example of that. Uh, there's a, okay. a, a grassroots organization that is growing by leaps and bounds called Jewish Voice huh. for Peace. That is mm. a group okay. of jews and their allies who believe that the actions of the state of israel in carrying out the occupation are dead wrong and they themselves have been promoting a sane and reasonable divestment strategy to try and pressure the state of Israel to change its own actions there. So they are very close partners and colleagues to the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship. And there are organizations like that, like ours, in almost every religious tradition that are trying to push their traditions harder and further than they might otherwise go.
0: I think that it's very uh, joyful for me to hear that, that uh, people, even two reasons, number one, that people are working and seeking more ethical behavior, but secondly, that they're making that distinction between the country and the government, the organization and its governance and its choices. You can love your country and, and support your organization, but not be behind every choice slavishly. And I think there's, there seems to be a lot of that. Um I mean, if I were, a, it seems to me as if I were uh, any, any company that has a CFO with a pulse is not going to shrug off uh, a visit from you that is a, a proposal from you about the behavior. Uh, do you find, are you finding greater acceptance as you uh, come to companies or a greater awareness or is it uh, the same old uh, solid wall?
1: It depends on where we are in the moment moment of the movement, right? If you see these things Ah. as social movement early on, you will almost always meet with resistance, because new ideas that challenge the status quo are never ideas that are easily embraced. But as one one corporation after another begins to shift its behavior, eventually what seemed like lunacy at the beginning of the process begins to seem like common sense, and it becomes Mm -hmm. obvious that this is the direction everybody should move. When Taco Bell, going back to that example, uh, with its actions around the Coalition of Immokalee Workers, when it made the decision... That it would simply not work with subcontractors who weren't willing to pay a living wage. All of a sudden, right. the doors open for conversations with McDonald's Corporation and with uh, various oh. supermarket corporations. And and the more that oh. happens, eventually, the it just becomes obvious to everyone that this is an ethical standard that everybody should be following. So that's what that's our goal, oh. right? Our goal is not necessarily to change right. the behavior of just one corporation, but rather to have a, a, a variety of corporations. Or any other organization, for that matter, or governments that would say this behavior is simply not acceptable. It does not meet common, commonly held ethical standards, and therefore we're going to change our behavior in this instance, even though it used to be common wisdom that this was
0: okay. Right. Well, now I th- there is a I f- I have discerned. A change in the idea of a corporation, the idea of being a good community neighbor, is something that is seen not only to profiteth a man well, but to be uh, something that that executives themselves want to tie into. People are uh, MBAs are making uh, choices of the companies whom they work for increasingly, so surveys say, based on ethical choices. Do you see? The the companies, when you make a proposal to them or address them, are making this, are, are responding with anything other than, than sort of a bottom line mentality. In other words, do you, are you seeing an ethical character emerge within certain corporations, within the business community at large?
1: Gosh, Bart, I think that's a hard question. You know, um,
0: yeah, again, I, I, I think my
1: answer would be it depends on the moment and where you are in the yeah, middle of yeah. the movement, right? There are corporations that that absolutely are asking these questions on a regular basis and for whom uh, – trying to trying to be good corporate citizens is absolutely critical. And there are other corporations, in my judgment, that are focused entirely on short-term profit and are not interested in having a conversation about what is sustainable and ethical and moral over the long term. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm i going to put my dollars with the former, and I'm going to act as a consumer in a way to support the former and not the latter.
0: Well, I, th- I think... I think you're you're right in what you're doing, and you put you've touched on something that I that the whole there is an interlocking mo- motion on and a movement toward uh, any kind of behavior, ethical as well as unethical. And I know that you have greater plans for the future, and that you've been and that you are thinking of tilting your shareholders' lance at a much broader ranging target and. And so I'm, I'd am i like you to sort of uh, just address, uh, if you would, just give us a sort of a thumbnail sketch when I say to, to you two words, fossil fuels.
1: <laughs>
0: yes. Well, <laughs>
1: nah, Sorry. <laughs> right. I mean, that's where we're obviously everybody wants to know how we're going to get into that conversation. And the Presbyterian Church is like uh, uh, most other denominations. At our last General Assembly, which happened last summer, Uh, There were 12 presbyteries out of 173 that sent overtures to our General Assembly that together and collectively said, we would like to be divested entirely from fossil fuel, companies that promote the use of fossil fuels. Now, there are all kinds of challenges in this, um, not the least of which is that as consumers, we are bound up and tied to the fossil fuel industry every day in all kinds of ways, seen and unseen. And the point that we're trying to make is not that we're we're tilting at windmills, but rather that if someone does not begin to ask the question about how we back away from an addiction that all of us know to be, in the end, unsustainable, if we don't have that conversation in churches first, where in the world are we going to have it? I guarantee it's not going to come first from those companies that are extracting fossil fuels, because they're making money on it. Right. So the yeah. only way we're going to get well, the conversation to change is by saying we we as a body believe that this is an unsustainable direction for our community to go, and therefore we're going to remove our support as shareholders from this, and to our fullest extent as consumers as well, and instead we're going to put our money into alternatives to fossil fuels that must be developed in order for our children and our grandchildren and their children to have a future.
0: Wow, well, I, I think that's absolutely right. It's you may some of us may feel this is a little bit like me inviting you over to have a drink to discuss abstinence that that we are so <laughs> bound and and buying uh fossil fuels ourselves but on the other hand as you say if the questions don't get raised rick uh i just want you to know that for prometheus our own mission statement part of it says that we believe In nudging business toward what it should be in perception and fact, a force for good. And I'm very glad to see that you're in this, that you are doing uh, this in a very powerful way. If folks are interested in in learning a little more about inspiring corporate ethical action, how might they get in touch with you?
1: Well, the easiest way is to do it through our website for the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship, which is easy to find. You can simply Google those words or go to presbypeacefellowship.org. And anybody who wants Mm -hmm. to learn more about the divestment movement in general uh, can find remarkable resources through the Jewish Voice for Peace website, and I highly commend that as well.
0: Wonderful. Rick, you have, have really opened my eyes, and I know so much of our audience today. It's good to hear. We hear... So much uh, talk about the the uh, overlord, uncaring few, and the oppressed many. It's good to see that there are forces like yours out there. Please take all our prayers and our best wishes for you. And I thank you so much for coming on.
1: I appreciate the invitation. Thank you.
0: So now, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out today's show, allow me to leave you with today's business quotation. Who was the person who said, Technological change is like an axe in the hands of a pathological criminal. Hint. The hint, and you won't believe this. This skew-haired genius held, shall we say, an energized mass of universal knowledge. And the author will surprise you. Anyway. Uh remember, if you know this, the author of this quote, just send that to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely astounding life-changing gift from the dungeons of Barts Book bookstore. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husbands, always sell where the sales resistance is lowest. If no one will buy your product outright, try lobbying Congress. That always seems to bear fruit. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for enjoying the art of the CEO, and I hope you'll tune in next week when we introduce on the fiscal wizardess, Miss Jamie Raskulinitz, to guide us through the angry forest of investing in startups. Now, that's Tuesday, May 19th, 2 p.m., and I hope you'll enjoy that as much as you have enjoyed this, and we all have. As always, it has been a privilege. I thank you. Goodbye.